I mean, these are critical areas that don't go away, and they're so connected to spiritual formation. And I think that a lot of times people are do not see in the leaders in our church, they don't see spiritual formation. They see great managers of an institution. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Jonathan and I am the content producer here at Stay Forth Designs, just in case you were wondering who this stranger is that's talking to you right now. I'm excited to get us into our episode today. We have a great conversation with Dr. Reggie McNeil about the future of the church and opportunities for the church outside of the building. But before we do that, I really want to encourage you. We want you to know from everyone at Stay Forth Designs that we know you're leading and you're trying to lead well right now. You're doing everything you can do to continue pursuing health and do it in challenging times. We know that leadership is already challenging. And we know that it's hard to lead right side up in an upside down world. And when you throw in everything that's happening right now and things that seem to change and new things happening every single day, it can be more difficult. So know that we want to encourage you to keep taking your next right step. We're in the trenches with you. We love you. We're praying for you and we're here for you and we will keep offering value however we can. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, sit down with this episode, don't speed it up, slow it down, and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Reggie McNeil about how limitation breeds innovation and opportunities for the church as we move forward. Well, Reggie, uh, thanks for coming by the podcast today. Glad to be with you, Alan. Thanks. Well, a lot is happening in our world with the shakeup right now. And so as we talk about change and we process change, um, before we started rolling on this episode, we talked about some of the mini changes, um, M-I-N-I and M-A-N-Y changes that leaders are scrambling with, things like live streaming, giving, trying to figure out which way is up for our staff. But then there are some mid-range changes, some long-range changes that I know that you would love to see the church make during this time. But before we kind of get into change, Reggie, can you just give us a flyover? I know you serve leaders uh, through writing and speaking, coaching, consulting. Uh, give us a little picture into your world and how you regularly serve leaders. Well, thanks, uh, Alan. I'm, I'm glad to do that. I'm kind of a one-man wrecking crew. Um, I, uh, you've already mentioned all those categories. Yeah, I, I do some writing and uh, do a lot of speaking. Uh, that's uh, not right now uh, speaking, but um, I have you know do a lot of speaking for various uh, church leader groups. Uh, consult uh, leaders as well as organizations, uh, do some coaching uh, as well. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, like I say, I'm just kind of a one-man wrecking crew. I try to respond to whatever the client needs. You know, if a church contacts me or a denomination contacts me, and, you know, some I'm engaged even at the point of helping them architecturally structure some initiatives they're involved with. Then also uh, really enjoy working uh, with city, with good cities uh, as part of my portfolio, which uh, the centerpiece really of a lot of the work that I do now corporately, and that's to work with groups of faith leaders in local cities and communities who want to, you know, have some collective impact, uh, you know, create some cross-domain collaborative initiatives that really move the needle on big substantive issues that we're facing in, in the culture. And, um, and so I really enjoy that part of my work as well. 
Awesome. Well, we have such a similar heart, Reggie. You've been a big impact uh, on me. And really, in many ways, we're both in the change business is we're helping leaders shift paradigms. We're helping churches shift paradigms. And really, in this case, watching cities, collaborative movements that are exciting uh, really happen throughout the country. And you and I both share a passion for having the church leave the building to serve in the neighborhood, serve in the city, serve in the community. Um, But tons of change is happening right now, like an unbelievable amount an unprecedented amount. And you say in a recent article that you wrote that the church world, what was normal in the church world is never going to be normal again. So what's changing right now, Reggie, in the midst of COVID-19? Just about everything, Um, (laughs) you know, uh, but I, I, I I would like to say that I think the pandemic has really just accelerated some changes that were underway, a significant tectonic shifts uh, that were um, in the church world, but not as recognized. It's almost like this uh, pandemic has forced some lava that was flowing underneath to suddenly erupt into view. And, uh, and so in, in a sense, really, it has just fast forwarded the future. And, and particularly what I mean by that is the fourth uh, human information revolution, uh, the digital world, uh, has just changed the landscape uh, incredibly. Uh, this happens every time you have an information river. The, the most recent one was the printing press 500 years ago. And of course, that set up our entire current world of education and uh, mass standardization, the capacity to, uh, to uh, well, just every, everything, the modern nation state, uh, our industrial complex, all, all of that stands on uh, the human information revolution that gave rise to the printing press and its capacity to standardize information across all um, kinds of domains. Now, what's happened in the digital world is we now have the capacity for mass customization. Um, and uh, and so it has pushed information into digital form. And once you do that, you can do all kinds of things like your your listeners some of them will remember when you had to go to a bank to bank, uh, you had to go to a movie theater to watch a movie. I mean, you know, right now you got movies coming out on streaming, you know, because no one can get to a theater. That would have been unheard of before the, not even possible before the digital revolution. Uh, and so, um, you know, record stores, uh, you know, just whole industries uh, have had to incorporate, have had to accommodate it's interesting, the church and education were probably two fields lagging. Uh, education has been pushed suddenly into the online world without, as well as the church. Uh, if you're going to be connected, if you're going to deliver, it's going to be online right now. And so that, in that regard, I'm saying the pandemic is really just fast-forwarded uh, these uh, huge shifts that were already underway. Yeah, and you, you talk about three major areas we need to change. Uh, the first is our story. Tell me more about that. Why do we need to change our story right now? Well, it seems to me that uh, particularly, again, if you go back to the last 500 years uh, since the uh, printing press, which made possible the Reformation, uh, certainly aided and abetted uh, the Reformation, you've got the, uh, you've had, we've had 500 years of a very church-centric conversation 
a very church-centric notion. I mean, we're getting church right. Who's more right than someone else? I mean, ecclesiology has just dominated the conversation. I mean, what makes a church? Who can do what? When can they wear a skirt? Can it be done outside? How many people does it take? You know, on and on and on and on. Uh, is, uh, and so uh, that's church as institution. And what's happening is we're seeing a move, and it was already underway, but now it's being accelerated, a move to church as movement. And frankly, I think that's a move from a church-centric to a kingdom-centric um, uh, emphasis called, because the kingdom is about movement. It's about the streets. It's about a relationship. It's about life uh, that God intends. And so that forces us, I hope, uh, the church will change its story, its narrative, from a church-centric narrative to a kingdom-biased, kingdom-centric narrative. Yes, yes. And you, secondly then, you talk about scorecard. I know you've written extensively about this in uh, Missional Renaissance, I believe, in several of your books, actually. But right now, why is changing the scorecard so necessary? Well, and, and I would... I would uh, Back up just a minute and, and say something related to the stories. Well, when I talk about kingdom, and then we'll go right into the scorecard implications, but when I talk about a kingdom-centric narrative, so many people have different ideas about kingdom. You know, it's certainly not a geographical, it's not political. I mean, Jesus said it's not of this world. Uh, I really think the kingdom is all about the quality of life, life as God intends. And if you think about it, I mean, that is the that's the theme from the Bible. We open the Bible with a tree of life uh, in the center of the garden. We end with the rivers of life throw it flowing through the city, trees of life on both sides. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and I've come to give you abundant life. So to me, the point of the kingdom is life. Well, now that's as God intends. I mean, it's an important caveat because we all know that life we're experiencing on this planet is not the life that God intends. So by the way, God himself wrapped himself in flesh, came to the planet to show us what kingdom life was like. Jesus, it just wasn't his teachings. I mean, I grew up in a world where we just, you know, we consumed his teachings, but it was his way of life. It's what he did, uh, how he responded to people, uh, what he demonstrated in his interactions and all that. He how he lived is was is the way that God intended for us to live, and he showed it uh, in, in the flesh. Now, that means that our scorecard, if it's just tied to church institutional um, kinds of expressions, like, you know, how many folks show up for a gathering, how much money they bring, how often do they come, how much acreage do we have, how many, you know, on and on and on. Uh, we all know those church uh, metrics, and I'm certainly not arguing that they're going to go away. I'm not that naive. But if the kingdom is about life as God intends, then the church has got to develop a different scorecard that actually reflects whether or not we are moving the needle or getting close or how we're doing on that you know, life as God intends. Let's start inside the church first, Alan. Um, you know, we ought to know, it seems to me, um, you know, the quality of life that, I mean, discipleship, maybe I should finish a sentence. I should start one that I can finish, maybe. Um, I, I, in, in the old world, discipleship was about participation in church activity with the assumption people were growing. Okay, 
if you shift your scorecard into actually reflecting whether or not people are growing, they'll tell you stuff like, I feel like I'm growing in my marriage. I feel like I'm growing my love for God. I feel like I'm growing in my love for my neighbor. I feel like we, we've got to shift to where we actually know where our people are, you know, financial troubles, you know, just across the whole bandwidth of human existence. And discipleship itself then becomes, you know, this fellowship of Jesus and how we are loving God and loving our neighbors and how it's actually showing up uh, in our lives. Um, and, and so, you know, inside our congregations, we certainly need a better handle on the quality of life our folks are uh, experiencing, and they will tell us that, and we can now track that. I mean, even Harvard, with its human, uh, you know, current and recent human flourishings project, you know, has even given us categories if we wanted to adopt something that we could overlay and, and you know, and, and, and get data from a corporate data, maybe not individual Mary and Sam, but a pastor could have a, a, a dashboard of, you know, how where are the needs right now? Where are people feeling stretched? I mean, in the middle of a pandemic, that's not so hard to figure out. But post-pandemic, uh, as life goes on, we're going to need to be able to read that, I think. And then I think, Alan, external to the church, uh, you know, uh, the scorecards got to reflect whether or not we're having an impact on the lives of people, the qualitative lives of people uh, in our community. Since the church was given, you know, this responsibility, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but, uh, you know, our scorecards got to reflect whether or not we're making any impact uh, you know, is it literacy in our community? Is it uh, is it making sure people have adequate health care? Is is it the finance? How many jobs we're creating so people have a sense of well being? The Gallup senior scientists tell us that having a full time job is the single most important correlative to a sense of well being. So, how many jobs are we creating? How many businesses are we creating? Uh, you know, I have a client who is um, adopted, or is uh, they don't use that word publicly, but they're working with the poorest part of their city in a 25-year commitment. And uh, so their scorecard for that, you know, is is very different. Uh, it, it involves crime rates, and it involves uh, graduation rates. It involves how many businesses they've started. And yes, it involves how many people are becoming disciples of Jesus. So, you know, we've got to have this kind of expanded bandwidth, it seems to me, this kind of robust notion um, of life in our communities that we can have an impact on. And both of those seem really connected, right? The new scorecard seems to reflect the new reality of kingdom-centered life instead of just uh, church-centered life, right? Yes. Yes. And it's got, you know, again, as as the church emerges in a post-pandemic world, and we're going to see expressions of church that we've never seen before. We're already seeing it. Um, you know, we're seeing micro church. We're seeing uh, churches, sports club. You know, I'm working uh, church as business. I'm where, uh, you know, I've I've sat with CEOs of, of folks and they tell me my business is the church because, you know, I'm I'm bringing life and uh, and I'm giving people mission trips, and we're we're building homes for people, and our employees. I mean, these are incredible people. They're doing incredible stuff. So you know, it's not church because it fits the Westminster Confession, but it's church because it reflects a relationship that's being lived out uh, in impacting the world uh, around them. So I think it's a very exciting time, and um, and and we're going to see uh, we, again. We're going to see an expanded bandwidth 
uh, of what uh, of church life forms. I mean, we've basically had one life form for the last 1,700 years in the Western church, and that's the congregation. Well, it wasn't even the first life form uh, in, the, um, <laughs> uh, in, in the church taxonomy. Well, of course, it was the house church. And, and the pandemic is, is probably the, the most uh, robust shot in the arm to the house church movement that's come along in, in a long time. That's right. It's interesting when we can do nothing else that limitation breeds innovation. And when we have some other things blocked, then suddenly we have to come back to that, you know, lowest common denominator. I've loved time actually with my family talking about what is the church and what isn't the church and what is necessary for a church to exist. It's been a really interesting time for us to process um, with, you know, kids who have been very involved uh, in church ministry over the years. Give us that third S that you're calling for change in, story, scorecard. You say scope of our stewardship. Tell me more, Reggie. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, you know, when Jesus plucked a word out, by the way, I should have said this earlier, uh, Jesus was kingdom obsessed himself. I mean, uh, I mean, he, he mentions church one time, and it's when he founded it. Uh, so it gets two mentions because it's repeated in the Gospels. But he talks about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, incessantly, over 90 times. Uh, when he teaches us to pray, I mean, that prayer is bracketed, uh, you know, your kingdom come. And then at the end, you, for yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory. I mean, you know, he doesn't say, you know, thy church come. And he doesn't say, you know, for yours is the church and the power. I mean, I mean, there, there's a reason. Uh, that Jesus talked about the kingdom, that's because that was his reality. That's where he had come from, and that's what he intended to bring to earth. He was far more concerned with getting the kingdom to earth than getting <laughs> earth back into the kingdom. Uh, yeah. and, and, and he taught his disciples, pay attention to what's going on right here, right now. Uh, and, and so he, he chose a word uh, for that stewardship, and the word is church. And goodness gracious, if we just understand what ecclesia, you know, of, of, of Jesus' day, their responsibility, the elders of a village, to for the community health. And so uh, what he's saying to those apostles is, I'm setting you up as, as the group of elders in the church. You need to take care of the community uh, that you're in. I mean, you follow that model, that analogy, that metaphor that he uses, and so it, it changes the scope of the stewardship. It can't be that we can, I mean, no ecclesia of Jesus' day would have come out of their meeting and said, you know, our community's going to hell in a handbasket, but man, have we, did we just have a great ecclesia meeting? Uh, I mean, and, and we're in a six-part series. It is magnificent. Uh, and, and I mean, that would, that would have been absurd to think about. And yet here we are in, in somewhat of a parallel deal where we we're running it seems like this sometimes even a counter mission to what we should be really paying attention to who cares really in the long run if the church is doing great but the community is suffering something's wrong with that so the scope of our stewardship has to come in line in my opinion uh with uh, what with the assignment that we were given and in fact, Alan, you know, I work with I've worked with so many denominations and so many still are in, involved in congregational renewal and church renewal. I can tell you right now, we will never have church renewal in the North American church until we get the mission right. As soon as we focus on getting the church right, then it's almost a guarantee that we're going to pour more money, more resource, more stuff into just, uh, you know, 
um, activity and program development and leadership development that falls way short. I mean, if you start inside, you never get out. This is why I work with leadership groups all over, uh, elder groups. I said, change your meeting agenda. Don't start off with, you know, all the church stuff. And if you have any time left over, talk about the community. Put the community at the top of your list. Bring the superintendents of education in, your mayors, your church council. I mean, not church council, your city council, your your sheriff, whatever it is, your social worker down at the, at the high school. I mean, educate yourself as to what's going on in your community. Then if you have any energy left over, deal with a failing air conditioner up on the third floor, which shouldn't take much time anyway. So I, w- if we get the scope of stewardship changed, I think uh, the the church tail that wags the doll, uh, it would it would change everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of exciting things right now. We've got listening to this podcast, quite a few business leaders, quite a few nonprofit leaders um, already leading causes in their community and, and really serving for the good of their community. A lot of church leaders. And I can say I'm seeing some incredible ideas, some innovation right now on how to serve communities uh, coming out of COVID-19. What are some opportunities you see uh, maybe in this next season um, after COVID on how um, the church can really be the church in and to and for the community in this next season? Well, there's no question. I think education is always uh, an open door and uh, a space that the church uh, can step into and have its best impact. Now, it's not going to raise the numbers, uh, you know, folks in the pews for the fall program. But if you want to take a long-haul view and a generational view of shifting a culture, then, uh, you know, the church can step into some educational opportunities that are going to be there, online tutors, uh, even as we move on to uh, education online. But even if we restore education, it's gathered form. We really need to step there. In fact, Sunday school, when you think about uh, it, it was, you know, originated as a literacy program on the streets of London. Um, and, um, and I'm struggling to by Robert Rakes. That, that's the guy, Robert Rakes, who was a publisher, uh, and he used the Bible as, as the curriculum to, to help kids who were, you know, had a day off out of the factories and they were just running wild. I mean, he ran through a, a, a bevy of teachers before he got one that would stick because these kids were tough. But so Sunday school itself, which now is a church program, if it could, if we could <laughs> return it to its roots and see that we, we have an impact uh, capability. So with all of my clients, we always try to figure out what would be uh, one way to serve those who are delivering education, because that's going to make it that has more impact across more. It covers more beachfront. Every single life health indicator is connected to education. So that's certainly going to be one area. Another area I think that uh, you know the church is going to move into is community health, and by that I mean checking on folks and kind of the old parish nurse idea. I think you're going to see um, it's never died out, but I think you're going to see some uh, robust um, efforts being put back into point of care uh, for people, even in health. Uh, and this is going to be particularly true as our country continues to age and uh, the care of elderly uh, are is, is going to be more and more, particularly isolated elderly. One of the things we've developed at Good Cities is a neighboring project that is a data project that develop a dashboard 
so that you can actually, congregations or local groups can actually track in real time what are needs for in the community and who is moving to respond to those needs. There again, the church as broker uh, and the church as the um, uh, resource gate for uh, calling and cultivating and, uh, gosh, uh, synergizing the efforts of a community to heal itself. I think we're going to see uh, these areas as some of the ones that, that the church can be a champion in. Mm, that's good. I love that vision, that picture. Reggie, what do you hope is true 20 years from now within our communities, within businesses, and within churches? What I hope is true is that the social fabric of our country is stronger. Um, you know, there's so many factors that have been uh, tearing at that for, and of course, political being the number one, uh, but not the only one. Religious tensions, even inside the church, whether it's, you know, different doctrines or whatever. But I would like to see in 20 years a social fabric that has um, much more sense of um, that we belong to, to each other. Uh, the pandemic, in one regard, is pushing us a little bit toward that, although you're seeing the worst part of humanity as well. <laughs> I was just out, you know, in a grocery area and seeing people hoarding. Uh, you know, which uh, so so I'm hoping the church can step into a space and show what it means like they did in the early Roman days, what it means to sacrifice for the whole, to be concerned for the community and um, and to have the long term view of uh, bringing back a quality of life for folks who are atomized and, and um, isolated. Uh, even with uh, so much connectedness in this digital world. I know that's kind of vague, but just the whole social fabric thing is what captures my attention. Mm, that's good. Um, Reggie, what's something that you're learning right now? Maybe it's reading a podcast, a book, something on Audible. What are you reading or learning right now that's really exciting you? I've just finished reading a couple of uh, books by um, folks. I, I'm, I'm going to be reluctant to use their names because then people categorize you. Uh, but in the in the theological religious world, um, I'm, I'm reading books by folks that are outside of my tradition that are helping me to think about spiritual disciplines in 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 new ways. Uh, not just as something I consume uh, individually because of the world I grew up in, the Protestant, all of our, uh, if you could call them disciplines, all the, you know, Bible reading, praying, this, this was all personal consumption. And um, so there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I'm also being challenged uh, outside of some of my kind of bubble notions of why Jesus was on the planet. I alluded to some of that earlier, and and my eyes are being opened a bit. I think to uh, even if we come to views of atonement and and what the work on the cross was all about. I grew up in a you know very typical um, you know kind of Billy Graham world, um, you know substitutionary. But there's a lot more going on. I'm convinced, and so I've I've been reading, trying. I'm just trying to get a little more bandwidth in my own capacity to see maybe with um, a larger picture. Um, so th that's there. And, and, and the other 
part of the world. Of course, you ask, I'm a high intuitive, and you ask me to name one thing, and I can never name one thing. Uh, but in the in in the the world beyond the church, uh, what I'm reading in is brain development, child development, uh, things that I think are essential, particularly as we think about the impact of, of what I call anti-social media. But um, I mean, suicide, depression among teenagers, particularly girls, brought on by the comparative stuff in social media. I'm just trying to get a a grasp of, and then and then having kids too early. Uh, too consumed with uh, video stuff and the brain and stunning uh, brain development, particularly in relational capacity. So I'm, I'm I'm looking into all of that because I think this has long-term impact for just the whole uh, arc of human development. Yeah, agreed. We talk a lot about health here on the podcast, the holistic health of leaders, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, church leaders. Reggie, I'm interested in what you would say to this. Um, what concerns you in regards to the health of kingdom leaders today? Well, I will say that um, I still do a lot of work, individual work, uh, as well as working with staffs on their own personal development. I'm amazed at how many people who are in spiritual leadership uh, give so little attention to their own personal spiritual development. It's as if we, you know, we've turned folks who said yes to God to make a difference. We've turned them into program managers and, uh, and you know, uh, business leaders, and uh, and so it, uh, you know, God is still very concerned. God builds ministries around people, but what we're doing in the in the church is we're taking leaders and we're hammering them into jobs rather than the other way around. And so I try to help. I try to actually help people think about, uh, you know, become more self-aware. I think self-awareness is the number one um, most important piece of information a leader works with. And so, um, you know, if I can help people understand who they are, uh, why they are, uh, what punches their button, you know, jerks their chain, what what do they bring to the world by way of of uh, conflict, uh, you know, how they handle conflict, how they handle relationships. I mean, these are critical areas that don't go away, and they're so connected to spiritual formation. And I think that a lot of times people are do not see in the leaders in our church, they don't see spiritual formation. They see great managers of an institution. I'm not trying to put folks down. I mean, you can't ignore that. But my goodness, uh, if there's ever been a time to just simply have magnificent spiritual leaders, people who are worth following, they may be a little different. They're going to be different from the world. They're not going to fit right into the, you know, bigger is better and everything else. But I, I think there's a quality of leader, uh, and it, and 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 so, and it, I will say too, in a celebrity culture that the church has adopted as well, I, I just think we need some. Ordinary leaders to emerge that are just super grounded and capable of expressing spiritual truths in ways that challenge people to a more noble life. That's a good charge. Thanks for that, Reggie, and, and we agree. Reggie, we always want to end the podcast by asking this question. What's one practice that keeps you healthy or grounded right now? There's a small group of people that I meet with. Uh, on a routine basis where 
I'm accountable for the work that I do and the advice that I give. And, um, and these are people that, um, that I trust completely and love. And, uh, we eat together, uh, we worship together, we pray together and, um, and we're, you know, doing a lot of life together. As you imagine, I'm so many different places. Uh, it would be pretty easy for me just to, uh, just kind of uh, do spiritual stuff on autopilot or on the side. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just as concerned that my own soul continue to develop. And I want people who challenge me and uh, who bring their life to the table like I bring mine. So that one practice right there keeps it very simple for me and very focused. Awesome. Well, Reggie, thanks for your time here. You've invested many years in the church, in kingdom leaders, and I know you have a continued desire to see the church not only leave the building, but deeply impact the shalom, the wholeness, the trueness, the rightness of our communities. So thanks for that. Keep leading right side up in an upside down world. We appreciate all that you do. Oh, you you honor me by letting me have some time with you today, Alan. Way to go. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Guys, we think these conversations are so crucial. Doesn't matter what time of year it is. Doesn't matter if we're going through a global pandemic. We need to learn to stay healthy so we can go the distance in our life and leadership. We hope that you are inspired by these. We hope that you have new ideas from these. Maybe you need to start a conversation. Maybe you need to journal about something. But we encourage you, keep tuning in every Tuesday and Thursday for thoughts about how you can stay healthy, reach more impact. Guys, it is indeed possible to lead for the long haul without losing your soul in the meantime. We'll catch you on the next episode. We ain't focused so long.